You are listening to Waffle the Bite Sized Podcast with Paul Jenkins. First broadcast on Rossendale Radio on the 12th of April 2020. This week, Paul talks with author Joshua Siegel. So it's Paul Jenkins here with the Waffle Hour and every week you know we speak to an author, a poet or a writer or somebody that's that's working with words and this week I was able to speak on the phone this afternoon uh, and this is why we played London Calling at the start of the show. Uh, I was getting able to get in contact with a brilliant children's poet uh, called Joshua Siegel. Uh, this is the way I spoke to him earlier on. Okay, welcome back to 104.7 Rossendale Radio. It's uh, Paul Jenkins here on the weekend wind down, and I have the immense joy this afternoon of being joined by Joshua Siegel. How how are you doing? I'm not too bad, thank you. Yeah, um, I am uh, enjoying the sun sort of through my window. Uh, I was going to say, I can get a weather report from it's Finchley in, in North London you're in, isn't it? I'm in Finchley in North London. It's pretty sunny at the moment, which makes the lockdown sort of that little bit harder. I think. Yeah. Are you? Uh, how how are things down there? Is it, and obviously, London is a lot trickier to to kind of uh, work your way around than, than Lancashire at the moment. It's uh, we've we've got a lot of a lot more green space than you've probably got access to at the moment. Well, actually, um, I live. Uh, next to a park the park is closer to our front door than our own garden is um so we've got access to a little bit of green space um but we don't want to i don't know it kind of feels like setting a bit of a bad example to be out too much in the park too right it's uh we've uh, i mean we, we, we're lucky up here but uh it's again it's sort of uh, doing doing things in in little doses to kind of keep us sane but without without which sort of uh, yeah flouting exactly. the other trying rooms, to really. be trying to be strategic about when to take that daily walk, I think. Well, uh, the reason that you're with us on the show this afternoon uh, is because uh, you you are one of those uh, very lucky people. Uh, in, in, you do a, a very similar sort of job to me, but you've been doing it far far longer and to a far higher standard than I do. Uh, you you work as uh, within schools as a children's poet, don't you? That's correct, yeah. Um, not so many schools at the moment. But no. That is... <laughs> That is my, um, yeah, that's my, my kind of day-to-day job is going into schools and performing poems and mm-hmm. running poetry workshops. And, uh, and f- first of all, it's, it's the question that I t- sort of asked people is how did, how did you come about doing that? Was it, wh- what was that moment that you suddenly thought, you know what, this is where I need to take my direction? Because I know you worked, you worked within schools before you started your poetry work, didn't you? Yeah, I've worked within schools for quite a long time. Um, so I'm, I'm in my sort of early-ish 30s now uh, but and I've, I've been I've had experience of working in schools since I was about 18 yeah. um, as a teaching assistant mostly as a teaching assistant actually mm. um, and that was in nursery schools and primary schools um, and then I, I kind of so I, I was in academia for quite a long time I did mm. a degree in philosophy uh, right. in London then I did a, a two-year master's in philosophy mm. And that was pretty heavy stuff. And throughout that time, I kind of wrote a few kind of lighthearted pieces to kind of entertain myself yeah. um, as much as anything. Um, and it wasn't until after that that I thought of sort of sharing those pieces with um, sort of sort of combining that with the school's work I was doing. And it kind of and I realized I could p- turn it into a job <laughs> when I uh, I opened up. So in London, we've got a, the Evening Standard newspaper. I don't, yeah. know if, I don't know if you get it. but um, I, I think it's, it's one of those ones that if you want it online, you probably... You yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's got like, so it's distributed free all over London. It's got a huge kind of uh, readership. It's, 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 it's published in the evening. Mm. 
And I remember opening it up one day. Uh, this would have been in 2000 and about 2011 or okay. 2012. Um, so sort of nine, around nine years ago. And they were doing a big push on literacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so every so often they've got these kind of charitable initiatives that they support. Right. And there was an interview with a with a guy called Neil Zetter, who you may have come across. Um, I, I, I spoke to him a couple of days ago online, actually. <laughs> yeah, he's a really nice guy. Yeah. Um, and there was an interview with him about the work he did in schools. And he was described as a, um, a comic performance poet. Yes. And I thought to myself, whoa, that is exactly what I want to do. Mm. Um, I, I want to, you know, I'm. I have done a little bit of stand-up comedy, not not to any high standard at all. Um, I've written these kind of funny poems, and I, I kind of wanted to develop them, and I wasn't sure how. Um, so I saw this interview with Neil Zetter, and I got in touch with him via email. Uh, I Googled him, and, and I just said, you know, I, I'm really interested in doing what you do, um, and I, I want to know a little bit more about it. And he was just so lovely and generous, um, and he invited me to come and shadow him in in a school that he was working at Mm -hmm. and at this point i wasn't really aware that schools work uh, working in schools was specifically what i wanted to do but um he told me that that's what he did yeah and i came and observed him in a school um and i thought yeah i could do this and um and that was the beginning of my journey, really. And nine years, and nine years later, yeah, nine years later, here we are. And you've yeah. and you've you've published how many books now? So I've published uh, in total. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just trying to add them up in my head. <laughs> I've got four of them in front of me. Um, five, six, eight, eight in total. My goodness. Nine, actually, no. <laughs> if, if you include two self-published books, yep. Um, it's it's 10 in total it's the ones that got away that's so, so, yeah. so you've yeah. been i mean so the the word prolific is is certainly going to be bearing in mind this is in the space of a, of a decade that's a that's a, a lot of of work that's pouring out at the moment and have you got have you got a, a, just a just a little taster of something from from one of it's not like i know i know choosing a poem like this is is very tricky it's like choosing one of your favorite children right yeah. but it's um uh, well, I think I'll, I'll choose a poem from the first book that was published by a by a publisher rather than by myself. Uh, this the book's called "I Don't Like Poetry." Yeah, um, it came out in two thousand and sixteen, and it's published by Bloomsbury. Okay. Um, I'll read a little poem and then I'll explain, and then I'll maybe talk for a minute or so about the poem. Is That's that okay? Absolutely fine. Yeah, and um, the poem is called "Warrior King," um, mm-hmm. and it's quite a short poem, and sure. it goes like this. I'm the warrior king of the garden. I'm a revolutionary with my gun and my axe and my telescope and my lookout in the tree. I'm the warrior king of the garden. I'm a soldier, a fighter, a winner. I don't take orders from anyone until mum calls me in for dinner. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, and I remember I did an MA in creative writing Mm. um, uh, in 2015 and I... uh, one of the teachers on the MA was a guy called Michael Rosen. Yes. Uh, who is, he's unwell at the moment, so we're sending him his best wishes. We are absolutely sending all our best wishes to Michael. He's been in hospital um, for a week or so, hasn't he? He has, yeah. And he was a teacher on the MA, and I read him that poem, and he laughed. And, and uh, yeah. So that was nice. That was it's, nice. It is. It's, I, I think that what you were saying about Neil and Michael, and I've, I've had experience with both of those uh, uh, poets, is that poets generally, particularly children's poets, seem to be very generous with their time, and there's no sense of competition amongst people. It's very much yeah, about I, actually... I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
um we're gonna we're, just in terms of time we're, we're coming up to a music break now um so we're gonna we're gonna get on to talking a little bit more about your poetry work particularly about how we might work with with older audiences as well mm-hmm. um and but before we do that you've you've chosen now your first uh, tune is is for a, a 90s track uh for it's white town with with your woman what what was it that kind of drew you to this one yeah so this was just um i remember when i was about um I don't know, maybe eight or nine. This was a number one hit in right. the UK. And uh, the guy behind White Town is, is a guy called, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name, Chayoti <laughs> Mitra. Um, yeah. Uh, he's of Indian heritage. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, this was his only ever hit. Um, so it's a one-hit wonder. Definitely. It's, it's, it's one of the kind of archetypal one-hit wonders that, get, that gets trotted out. It comes out in I, pub quizzes all the time, this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just remember the tune from my childhood, and mm. it, I just, it just gave me a really good feeling. Um, it was just wonderful to listen to, really catchy, and it just brings back all those kind of happy memories of, uh, of, of, of being that age and, and listening to that song. So that's why I've chosen it. Well, let's, let's share it with the people of Rossendale. Here's White Town with Your Woman. 104.7 Rossendale Radio. Your listeners are 104.7 Rossendale Radio. It's Paul Jenkins here with the weekend wind down, and here's my interview from earlier on today with Joshua Siegel. Welcome back to 104.7 Rossendale Radio. It's Paul Jenkins on the weekend wind down, and it's our waffle segment, and we are talking to Joshua Siegel. Uh, now we've we spoke about your children's poetry in the mm. first section of the interview, uh, and uh, but but like most poets you you don't always write for younger audiences you also uh, branch out into all sorts of other areas um to, how do you find that that switch over of either language or performance because you're a performance poet uh, rather yeah. than, a, than a than a sort of text-based word poet aren't you yeah i mean i'm not sure there's a huge distinction necessarily but um i started off right i mean i wrote poetry for adults initially yeah um, and I, so I, I kind of started writing poetry as in taking it seriously when I, I started Philip Larkin for A-Level. Right. And, um, and I, I found it, like, it really spoke to me as a kind of morose teenager. <laughs> and, um, and, I, and, yeah, and, and a kind of my first kind of few attempts at poetry were kind of aping him. Yeah. And I first got into performing poetry when I, so I went to university in UCL and, um, so that's in sort of central London. Yeah. And round the corner from there, there's a place called the Poetry Cafe. Um, and every Tuesday, it's, this is still going. Uh, it's, a, it's a night called Unplugged and it's, it's run by Niall O'Sullivan. And it's, uh, I think it's, I don't know what, it, it's, it's got some kind of accolades. I think it's the UK's longest running uh, poetry open night. Oh, okay. And every Tuesday, it was just, you, uh, any poet could sign up um, and, and, and perform five minutes of poetry. Hmm. So I went along and I did that and I just got a real buzz out of out of connecting with an audience, um, that immediacy that you don't get from necessarily just putting something down on the page. Yeah, it was it was that experience of reading it to a live audience that I loved. Um, and one of my favorite things about it was making them laugh. Um, mm. Not all of my poems are funny. Yeah. Um, but it was it was make it was making them laugh that was one of the things that really appealed to me um so i did a little bit of stand-up comedy after that and and the, the stand-up comedy i did was poetry uh, so i so i i was um the kind of poet on the bill and i got up and i did some funny poems um and, the, and this was all writing for adults 
Um, and there's a long tradition of that, isn't there? I mean, people like Phil Jupiter has been uh, producing sort of poetry for adults, but mixed in with stand up. And there's that yeah. nice crossover, almost kind of like the old folk singers used to have the crossover between, you know, funny songs and, and, and stand up yeah. for the audience. So, so the big inspiration for me would have been John Hegley. Oh, right. yes, of course. So he and, and you know, people like John Cooper Clark, mm-hmm. um, Phil Jupiter, as you said, um, there was there's, there's a guy called Tim Key, who's one of my favourites. Uh, Tim Key, uh, I remember seeing him. Uh, he did a fantastic slot on Taskmaster, didn't he? he was on, it was on, I think, yeah, on the early he's, series he's, of there. He's one of these people that just ha- he could say anything and it would be funny. Yes, um, <laughs> basically, and uh, you could just look at him and laugh. I don't know why, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I and I mean that thoroughly as a compliment. Indeed, um, people with funny bones, as they say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I just kind of, kind of morphed into writing for children. It, it wasn't any conscious decision. Mm. It was, it was just kind of being inspired by the kind of playfulness of John Egley, who also writes for children. Um, the kind of wordplay of my, uh, someone like Michael Rosen, yeah, and um, and and then discovering Neil Zetter uh, through the Evening Standard, and then I just kind of made the transition to primarily writing for children, and kind of from a purely practical perspective, it's it's the school's work that pays the bills. Um, it's it's true. So, there is a, there is yeah. a crossover. Teacher, do you find that teachers uh, are a little bit hesitant in teaching poetry? Um, and and actually, that's why they look to working poets to to come into schools to to do that. I've I've often had teachers say to me, "Oh, it's it it seems difficult until you're doing it." Or, uh, but I, I think there seems to be a hesitancy to kind of share for as as a teacher. Yeah, um, I mean, I've encountered a, a whole range of different viewpoints. Mm. Um, often, often I hear teachers say that poetry feels like a specialism that they're not necessarily qualified to yes. do um or that it's this very technical thing um which which again they're kind of quite scared to approach but i've also had teachers who do dive in head first and and love it <laughs> um, so yeah and the best thing is when this doesn't happen often enough i don't think but the, the best thing is when a teacher joins in with the workshop as well oh yes and uh, yeah, that's that's lovely when that happens. When you when you ask a, a group for some ideas, and actually, you know, the, the teachers, you know, gagging to give you their their suggestion. And I, I know you, you you allowed quite a lot of free writing in terms of the, the way that you you structure your. Uh, I've seen some of the work that's 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 come out from your poetry workshops, mm. and it seems to be that yeah. you're very much allowing the children and and probably the adults as well to drive the direction of where the poems headed. Yeah, I mean, I. Um... I'm not very technical when it comes to poetry. I don't, I mean, I don't have a degree in English, for example. No, um, and neither do I. <laughs> it's, uh... yeah, so I, I kind of don't necessarily know all about the specific forms and their history and the jargon. Um, so I, I do kind of approach it fairly um, free-spiritedly, shall we say. Mm. Um, but it's a challenge because you, and one of the things that I'm um, finding challenging in workshops is, Sometimes kids will write a poem um, and it won't look like a poem. Just when you look at it on the page, the, the lines all go to the end and it looks like a story. Um, do, do, do you see what I mean? Just I see exactly. 
I, I always come back to the example of a, of, a, of a secondary school I was in, and uh, one, yeah. of the, uh, one of the one of the tasks that the kids were doing was to spot the number of metaphors that Carol Ann Duffy had used in a, in a piece of poetry. And I remember mm. thinking at the time, I'm sure she didn't sat down sit down that day and think, I'm going to write a poem with 17 metaphors in it today. No, it was no. it's 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 more that the free writing leads on to all of those fantastic poetic techniques that yeah, we all naturally one use. One of the things I say, and it sounds very simple and kind of very vague, but to try and make the poem look like a poem on the page yes because the way a poem looks this is even without reading it but the way a poem looks is obviously there are prose poems and you you get all these technicalities but typically the way a poem looks is different to the way a story looks just in terms of the length of the lines yeah Um, so i always tell children to try and make their poem look like a poem i I think that's a great tip i'm gonna may i borrow that please (laughs) Yeah, please do. And, it's, um, and I don't really tend to go into much more description than that. But, and it's up to them how they want to do it. It is. And it's, I, I love that idea that it's being driven by, by the writer, not, not by the person facilitating the writing. That's wonderful. Um, again, we've, uh, oh, I've so, many, so many things I could ask you, and I'm, I'm going to have to move on. Uh, we're going we're gonna to move on to the cars next. Uh, and, uh, yeah. and, and, and just what I needed, which is not the, the, the track that you'd go to ori- originally if you were thinking of cars tracks. <laughs> it's the only one I know. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not generally a Cars fan. Um, no. And this is the only song. If you ask me to list um, list their songs, that would be the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Um, but I remember the first time I moved out uh, from my. I, I lived with my parents um, for a very long time. Uh, you know, living in London. They live in London, and you know, just being a poet. Yeah. A huge money spinner. What uh, you mean being a poet is not a, a massive, uh, huge job and you don't all live in big mansions? That's, no, that's exactly. <laughs> so I lived with my parents until well into my 20s. Um, and I remember the day I was moving out, um, moving all my boxes, that song just came on the radio. So it's a and, memory attachment. Yeah. And it just, I love the guitar riff in it. And I think it's, I think it's one of those rare songs where the, the verse is much better than the chorus. I, I don't know why, but um, <laughs> normally with a song, it's the chorus is the bit that you like. Yeah. For me, for me, it's the verse and that riff. Um, so yeah, that's why I've chosen this song. Well, we can have a, we can have a decide while we're having a listen to. Is the cars with just what I needed? You're on the valley's very own 104.7 Rossendale Radio. You're listening to 104.7 Rossendale Radio. Here's the third part of my interview today with Joshua Siegel. Welcome back to 104.7 Rossendale Radio. It's Paul Jenkins here. It's the waffle segment. That means we're here on the weekend wind down and we're speaking to uh, National Poetry Day ambassador, uh, which is a grand title, I would like to say. Uh, Josh Siegel, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, very good, thanks. Good now, to talk to you. Um, now, we've um, we've been getting the idea heads around, first of all, what National Poetry Day is and what your ambassador role is uh, within all of that um uh, because uh, it's, it's something that comes up every year and it's sort of uh, for, for most people it will be something that just pops up in the morning they go oh everybody seems to be talking about poetry today but actually there's there's a much wider uh, sort of uh, sort of aims to the whole thing and you were you were involved in that ambassadorial role from last year weren't you i've been involved as an ambassador since two, 2016 oh so, wow right so i'm just counting on my fingers uh, this will be my fifth year Oh, okay. This is I, I um, see. This is the things that I, I was unaware of until then. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a very freeform role. Mm. Um, so National Poetry Day is a, a nationwide initiative that comes around once a year. Um, well, the day itself is once a year. The preparation yeah. is much longer. 
and um, it's it's the first week in October normally, um, and it's normally a Thursday, I think. It and is, it's just yeah. um, and every year there's a different theme. So this year's theme is vision, and it's just a chance for poets and anyone throughout the country to kind of get together and celebrate poems. Um, as somebody who who uh, does poetry in schools, uh, it's one of my busiest times of the year. Mm-hmm along with World Book Day in March. So National Poetry Day is celebrated a lot in schools. Um, so my role as an ambassador is, um, is, is kind of quite vaguely defined. It's kind of, I think it's up to each ambassador to kind of make the role their own. Yeah. But I kind of go into schools and I kind of, sometimes I run workshops on the theme. I haven't planned any yet for this year's theme, but I'm sure I will. <laughs> And just to, um, I, I, I've got a blog where I publicise the poems. Um, I'm quite active on Twitter as well, so I, I promote it there. Um, and yeah, just kind of spread the spread the love of poetry. Really, do you do you find because of the of the focus on that day that that suddenly people start to make connections, but with poets that that they probably weren't making through, throughout the course of the rest of the year, and 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 that's in probably relation to World Book Day as well, because you were saying similarly that 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 actually people are much more active around those two times of the of the year yeah so there's a saying uh, a dog is for life not just for christmas yes um, so a poet is for is for life not just national poetry day <laughs> I, I do find that my that, that, that is the period of time when my when my um dates kind of cluster together and if, if a poet if a school wants to book a poet on national poetry day itself um, on that very day, they have to get in like a year or two in advance. Um, yeah, that, get, that specific day gets booked up very quickly. But I, you know, I, I, I'm active the weeks before and after as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's yeah, it's it's a it's a it's maybe a slightly double-edged sword. Maybe a bit like Black History Month. It's like it's important for that time, but it should be important the rest of the time as well. It, it is. Um, it is a case that I found a lot of schools, um, particularly with World Book Day, actually, that they're starting to either sort of spread it out to a week, or even actually have have visitors in perhaps the week after, because because that way yeah. you're saying actually we've we've done the big launch during World Book Day, but actually he, here's the result. This is what's happening, and and I, I'm you you find that they're making connections outside as well, trying to spread out, like you say to you know not make it just a one-off event that we only celebrate books one one day in 365 yeah exactly exactly um and because it's so hard to pin down a poet for that specific day a lot of schools have their own kind of internal poetry day on a slightly different day which yeah. is around that time of year mm. But, um, yeah, there's flexibility within within when it's actually held. I suppose it's like any industry, isn't it? I mean, National Pie Week. I mean, you know, that I should imagine, you know, everyone's baking all year round. But at the same time, you know, it's about it's about awareness and publicity and making sure that, that people are, are talking and sharing as much as they possibly can, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, that can never be anything but a bad thing. Uh, do you want to uh, is there anything uh, one, of, one of your poems that you'd maybe like to share with us before we come towards the end of the show? Um, something that, that, that you another piece of yours? Yeah, so this is a poem uh, from my latest book, which is called Welcome to My Crazy Life. And right. that came out uh, in 2020, in February. Mm-hmm. And then it's published by Bloomsbury. Right. And this poem is a riddle. So can I ask you to, to participate? Is oh, that OK? Oh, blimey, you're, you asked me to switch my brain on. I've been locked inside for three Yeah, weeks. would that be OK? I'll give it a go. I can't guarantee I'll get it. <laughs> so, but it's one of those kind of what am I poems. Right. So I'm, so I'm, uh, I'm talking about an animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't tell you what animal I am. Uh, and at the end, you've got to see if you can work out what animal I am. So okay. Does that sound okay? 
pen and paper is now at the ready. Yeah, okay, so so the poem... <clears throat> so I'm just clearing my throat quickly before I read. Uh, the poem goes like this. I'm small and I'm grey. I sleep in the day. My body is covered with hair. I hang out in trees and listen up, please. The one thing I am not is a bear. <gasps> I'm not grizzly or polar. I chew with my molars because I eat leaves and not meat. I'm not very scary. I'm not at all berry. I'm cute and I'm cuddly and sweet. I'm friends with the roo and the wallaby too. And the wombat is quite a good mate. We all live in Oz and we're happy because our lives are relaxing and great. So please don't be careless. We're totally bearless. You won't find a bear around here. And if you should dare to call me a bear, well, I won't do anything because I'm cute and small and fluffy and harmless and adorable and totally unlike a bear. So there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right. Well, my, my knowledge of Antipodean uh, animals is 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 not not so great so I, I i as this went on i went from from rabbit to squirrel to start with then you told me that we're in oz uh so i was like oh i, I can't remember whether possums were from oz or not and then i was going for kangaroo and you ruled that one out uh are, are we in koala territory we are we are koalas oh hurrah and, uh, <laughs> and i wrote that poem because uh they are uh, mistakenly sometimes known as koala bears they are and they're not bears. They're 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 a totally different species. I've uh, never even thought about it before, but I was always brought up on the idea that it was a bear. That's they're not bears. They're, they're, it's a misnomer. They're they're, they're uh, yeah. So I I. Uh, Why did Attenborough not tell me this when I was young? <laughs> he should have done. I'll get on to him. They're not. So if anyone says koala bear, just just have that poem in mind. Oh, that's wonderful. Can, do, can I? Can you do me a favour? We have a we have a children's poetry show on a, on a, uh, on on Facebook at the moment. Uh, poems with yeah. DJ. May May I borrow that for tomorrow if that's all right to have us out yeah, uh, as a riddle do, poem? I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll 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 send you the details about to tune in for that. We have a, we have a Facebook live uh, uh, sort Will of poem, do. Yeah, poetry brilliant. session. Fantastic. Right. Well, we're we're coming up towards the end. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Um, uh, we've got your your final uh, piece of music. Uh, I, I I heard the Hallelujah chorus play, uh, playing when uh, when you mentioned that you wanted this track, uh, and we've, we're finishing with some Nirvana, which is wonderful. Yeah, yeah, great. What, probably... why, why, why lithium? <laughs> so um, I remember uh, I really became so I've always liked music, but uh, sort of as a teenager, sort of fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, I got heavily into Nirvana, um, and a friend's lent me his uh, Nevermind CD. And I just remember listening to it and each track just blew me away. Um, mm. I thought as I was listening, each track was better than the last one. And it was just amazing. It was just it was it, it was just, it really blew me away. And I think um, Lithium is probably my favorite song off that album. It's it's a it's an album. It's like you say that builds uh, right up until something in the way at the end where it's yeah, and that's yeah, a real kind yeah. of epilogue to the whole thing. And then there's a big break, and then there's a bonus track in about ten minutes in or something like that. Yeah, it's a real and, and I kind of find it quite hard to listen to now, just because I listened to it so much as a teenager. Mm. Um, it's kind of it almost feels a bit 
not boring exactly but you know when you listen to something so much and, and then you're kind of saturated with it possibly i think as well it, it shocked us all when we were when we were that uh, we were in a similar sort of vein in terms of, of musical history um but yeah it was a shocking piece of music at the time but now it's now it's kind of like oh this is this is what they did in the 90s <laughs> yeah and it's and to think that he passed away when he was 27 it's just having written all of those songs mm. Is, is just stunning to me uh, the more i try and get my I, I just can't really get my head around that um how someone could come out with so many amazing songs in such a short career effectively um joshua siegel it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you uh we'll uh, we, uh when when all of this is over uh I, if, if you are ever in the lancashire area please feel free if you're here on a sunday afternoon come into the studio for us and uh, we can have a chat and we can we can talk poetry till the cows come yeah on. brilliant thank you so much for having me and here's nirvana 104.7 rossendale radio so there you have it. Another episode of Waffle the Bite Size podcast is over. My thanks to Joshua Siegel for being my guest on the show, uh, for chatting about all of his work, his children's work, his work for National Poetry Day, and of course that experience of going into schools and delivering poetry workshops for children. Uh, join us next week where we will have another great guest. Uh, but for the time being, my thanks go to Melanie Kemp and to Lee Ball for their work on Waffle the Bite Size podcast and our colleagues at Russendale Radio for allowing us to bring broadcast in the first place. We will see you again next week.